Thank you everybody for coming. Once again, in the rain, I really appreciate it. And it's real Masira Snifesh. So not only do you get the regular benefit of coming to a shear and learning Torah, and also, of course, giving chizik to, to everybody else, myself included, but you get the added benefit of coming out with Masira Snefesh, which doubles and triples this chah. We spoke about this last week, how a person uh, with uh, sometimes things that aren't so difficult, he could earn tremendous schar, and, and definitely when it's difficult, so the schar is something that we cannot even fathom. So thank you very much, and the Kodesh Baruch Hu should bench all of us with the Baruch HaNatzloch on everything that we do. Mm-hmm. To the final Shabbos of the year. We're going to be saying Slichas. And the question in everybody's mind is, what are we supposed to be doing? What are we supposed to be thinking? How are we supposed to be behaving during this very, very serious time? During this very opportune time. A time of tshuva, a time of tefillah, a time of tzedakah. But with all of that, is there anything unique, anything focused, uh, anything special that we need to focus on at this point? And as always, we don't have to look too far. The answer is always in the parsha. As we mentioned, it's a double parsha, Nitzavim Vayelech. And the parsha starts off, the first of the two parshas is Atem Nitzavim Ayayim Kulchem. And the Svarim say, Hayayim is referring to Hayayim Aras Eilam, Rosh Hashanah. Moshe Rabbeinu is talking to Klai Yisrael on Rosh Hashanah, the final Rosh Hashanah of his life. And the entire Klai Yisrael is standing there, Moshe Rabbeinu says to them, on this day of Rosh Hashanah, where the whole world, and Klai Yisrael especially, is being judged by the Rabbeinu Shalaylam, as we say, the Tefillah of Musaf and Rosh Hashanah, Ayoyim Haras Oilam, Ayoyim Yamid Bamishpat Kol Yitzur Eilamin. What is the Eitzah that Moshe Rabbeinu is telling Kalal Yisrael? How they could secure themselves in the din, how they could win over another good year by HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So, let's take a look to the next parasha, Vayelech. Where the Pesach says the day was going, Moshe Rabbeinu tells to Klai Yisrael, he writes a Sefer Torah. Then HaKadosh Baruch Hu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, come, come to Oyel Moed. And he says, you're going to die. Klai Yisrael is going to follow the gods of the nations that they're going to be in. They're going to They're going to leave me. Abandon HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Says HaKadosh Baruch Hu V'chara api boi b'yoy mahu v'azavtim V'istarti ponai mehem I'm going to be angry at them and I'm going to leave them. I'm going to hide my face from them. U'mitza'uhu rois rabbis v'tzorais Many, many bad things are going to befall them. What does Klai Yisrael say in response to that? says, The reason this is happening to me is because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is not in my midst. Continues the Pasuk, After they say that, I'm still going to hide my face from them. 
for all the bad things that they did. And the Siva Shalom asks a very good question. Klal Yisrael seems to be doing tshuva. They acknowledge. Why is this happening to me? Why are all these tsars happening? All these negative things. All these things are because I'm not following a Kaddish Baruch Hu. He's not in my midst because I, for, I forsake him. I forsook him. So why is this happening? So Kal Yisrael is acknowledging their mistake. Why then did this Pasuk continue? If you're not going to listen, why is a Kaddish So Kal Yisrael acknowledges their mistake. Why does a Kaddish Baruch Hu say afterwards, I'm still going to hide from them? It seems like they're doing tshuva. And he answers this with a beautiful marshal that's from the Baal Shem Tov. It was a king who wanted to create an uh, optical illusion. So he built something. Actually, let me backtrack a minute. I, a year ago, I was in uh, my family in Niagara Falls, and we went, spent one day in one of these uh, fun houses where they have all kinds of stuff for the kids. One of the things they had was like an optical illusion, a, ma- uh, uh, a mirror maze, where you walk into a room, and then... What's that? Uh, similar to that, yeah. <laughs> but the entire room is, is lined with mirrors, different types of mirrors. Big ones, small ones. And wherever you look, so you cannot tell if you're making a turn into a real pathway, or actually, it's just an optical illusion, and you're actually walking straight into a mirror. Because it looks like, sometimes it looks like there's uh, actually a way to go. But then you start walking in that direction, and you, and, you, and you walk right into a mirror. Sometimes it looks like there's nothing there. But actually, that's also an optical illusion, because there's a secret passageway. So, that was the activity that we had done. And this king did something similar. He made this maze full of optical illusions. And in the middle, he's hiding. But, not only is it mirrors, but he made it even scarier. There's smoke and mirrors. There's sound effects. There's pictures and sounds of wild animals. And anybody who walks in there, right away he's frightened and he runs out screaming because he thinks that he's being chased by wild animals, by wild beasts, and who knows what's happening to him. Comes along the prince and he's looking for his father. And he walks inside. And he starts facing the, all these illusions and he's going to the right, he's going to the left, and he can't find the king. And he's seeing all these scary sights, and he's hearing all these scary sounds. And finally, he can't take it anymore. He starts crying, he says, Tati, where are you? I'm here, I'm looking for you. Come on out. And his father sees that he's looking for him. So all of a sudden, from right up behind him, the king shows up and he says, really, I wasn't hiding from you at all. I was right here the whole time. It was a mirage. It was an optical illusion. It was all pretend. I was never hidden. I was right here the whole time. Says the Baal Shem Tov, sometimes a Yid feels that he wants to connect to the Rebbeinah Shalolim. He wants to have a Kesha with a Kaddish Baruch And Sagedness, he doesn't feel a Kaddish Baruch and he feels, oh, you know why this is happening? Because I made some mistakes in my life. I, did some, uh, I made some wrong turns. I made some wrong moves. A Kaddish Baruch doesn't want to see me anymore. He doesn't want to be close to me. Says a Kaddish Baruch no. There's no such thing. A Kaddish Baruch Hu calls Klal Yisrael There's never ever a Matthias of a father being far away from his children. It may seem like he is. It may look like it is, but that's all part of the Nisoyen. But in reality, he's right there. 
guiding us and protecting us and watching over us and loving us and waiting for us to come and to appear to him. A yid is never removed from HaKadosh Baruch Hu. There's no such thing as a mechitza between Klal Yisrael and HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Sfarim say an amazing thing, that a yid, who after doing the worst Avera, he's eating on Yom Kippur, he's Machal Shabbos, Islam, terrible things. If after doing that Avera, he doesn't believe that he can go and approach HaKadosh Baruch Hu in tefillah, and HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to listen to him, if he doesn't believe this, say the Chesidish Sfarim, this person never stepped foot into the door of Chesidus. Because, as the Pesach tells us, is close to us anytime and anywhere. There's no such a Metzius of a Richuk. There's no such a Metzius of a Pirud. He's always close to us. And we just have to realize that. And just like in that Moshul of the Baal Shem Tov, where the prince was confused. He was scared. He was frightened. He thought his father was hiding from him. He thought he's never going to find him. So too, sometimes we have that feeling. But that feeling is the wrong feeling. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is never hidden from us. He's waiting for us, and He's always there. And Mimela, with that in mind, we can go back to the Pesach over here. Klal Yisrael says, All these terrible things are happening to me. Why? Because HaKadosh Baruch Hu is no longer with me. So they come, they fall into a situation, a matzav of Yehush Khalila, of giving up, of saying, there's nothing left. HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't love us anymore. He doesn't care for us anymore. And that is, the, that is the great Aveira, even worse than the original Aveira of following Avodah Zorah. And therefore, says the Pasuk, you're going to say that I'm far away from you? You're going to say that I'm no longer with you? If you're going to believe that there's a Mechitza, you're going to believe that I'm disconnected from you, then unfortunately, that's how it's going to be seen to you. That's how it's going to seem to you, that I am disconnected. Even though the reality is not like that. But, if you don't believe it, you're not going to feel it. And we see from here, Gevaldi, the thing, that Bonim Atem Hashem Aleikeichem, a Yid is never far from HaKadosh Baruch Hu, our Father. And now with that in mind, we can go back to the beginning of the Parsha. Atem Nitzavim Ayem Kulchem Bifnei Hashem Aleikeichem. What is the approach that we can have? Hayoyim, on this day, as we approach Rosh Hashanah, we approach Slichas. The Pasuk says to us, Atem Nitzavim, you're standing. Standing is a lesson of, of confidence. You're standing up. You're not, you're not frightened. Why? As long as we realize that we're before Kaddish Baruch Hu, and He's our Father, and He's protecting us, and He's there for us, and He loves us, then we're good. We don't have to worry anymore. And that is what we have to have in mind as we approach these final days of the year, as we approach Slichas. That we're coming to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, yes, in a situation where we want to do tshuva, we want to ask for mechila, but never should we ever think that he's far removed from us. And this actually is a Mepharish Apostle in the Sefer Nechemia. Right? The worst thing that Shalom will be, that Hashem says he's never going to forgive such a person. He's saying, I have nothing to do with Hashem. Nothing to do. You know, I'm completely disconnected. Nothing, I'm not faced by anything. Right. Hashem, no connection to Hashem. Hashem said, that's like the worst thing in the world to do. Very Even nice. Even a person did avoid the Zara of Hashem. Said, Once you say that, that's like. Right. Uh, Very nice. I was thinking of it now when you were saying that. Yeah, 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 true. Sure. And in addition to that, Pasuk, there's also a first Pasuk in Sefer Nechemia. 
Klal Yisrael was beginning to come back after the Churban Abai 70 years later, and they rebuilt the second base Amigdash. And only a very small portion of Klal Yisrael left the Golas of Bavel. And it was composed mostly, primarily, of simple people, Amiratsis, who didn't know much. And as the, the Sefer Nehemiah describes, they came to Eretz Yisrael and they, they didn't know the basics, even things as simple as keeping Shabbos and other things. They intermarried. They, they didn't know that you're not supposed to marry out of, out of, uh, out of faith. They were mamish at the lowest level possible. Comes along Rosh Hashanah and Ezra and Nehemiah, the leaders, they gather all of Kal Yisrael and they read to them from the Sefer Torah. That was the Rosh Hashanah davening. That was the Rosh Hashanah services. To hear the Torah and they were shocked. All kinds of things that they had no clue that are not allowed. All kinds of mitzvahs that they didn't know that they're supposed to do, they're being told to do. And it caused a tremendous, a tremendous hisairus and a feeling of tshuva. And as the Pesach describes, Klal Yisrael starts crying. They were crying in despair. Like, how did we fall so low? What's going to be with us? We didn't even know the basics of what's written before in the Torah. To which Ezra and Nehemiah say to them, no, 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 that's not the right approach. Altis ablu... Go and eat meat. Have good drinks. Don't be sad. The fact that it's a yomtiv, that is going to be your chizik, your strength. Says Ezra, what are you worried about? HaKadosh Baruch Hu loves you. And he's with you and he's not forsaking you. Yes, it's true. There's more things that you have to learn. Yes, it's true, you have to do tshuva. And yes, it's true that there has to be a whole process of relearning the Torah and starting again from scratch and doing the mitzvahs and so forth. But don't worry, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is still with you. And He's going to guide you the entire time. And therefore, you should celebrate this Yom Tev of Rosh Hashanah. And you should enjoy it. And don't worry, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is going to take care of things for you. And it's based on these psukim that actually on Rosh Hashanah, we absorb Rosh Hashanah as a regular Yom Tov. We dress up in our Yom Tov clothing. There's singing, there's, if there's dancing, there's singing, and there's, and there's Yom Tov meals. Almost like a regular Yom Tov. And the, the, uh, the price can explain, because we trust HaKadosh Baruch Hu, based on these psukim, that He's going to take care of us. And it all boils down to this same idea. That HaKadosh Baruch Hu never forsakes Klai Yisrael. Even when there's a judgment time. And even when things are difficult, He's still there with us like a father with His children. And as we say, Hayyim Hara Sailam, Hayyim Yami Damishpat Kol Yitzur Yilamim, Im Kivanim, we dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu, please. Rachameinu, Kirachim Avalbanim. Remember HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we're your children. And act to us with Rachmanus like a father acts to his children. And this special relationship is something that only Klai Yisrael has with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. No other nation can say that they're called HaKadosh Baruch Hu's children. There's no such thing by the Goyim to be called the children of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And it's something that we need to appreciate, especially during this time. And there's two beautiful stories that came out recently that illustrate this concept of the mile of Klal Yisrael and the special relationship that we have with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The first one everybody heard, famous basketball player Amari Stoudemire. Last week, finally, or was it two weeks ago, completed his Geras. Amari Stoudemire is a, was a very famous ball, a basketball player in the NBA. He, he was so good that he went to six All-Star games, which is very unusual. And he was one of the stars in the entire league. And he became a Ger. Today, Amari Stoudemire sits and learns every day in Ersameach. 
He learns Gemara, he learns Halacha. And of course, he was given a Jewish name, Yehoshaphat, which was the name of one of the kings in the time of the Bayes Rishon. And in an interview that Arsamech did with him, for their newsletter, so uh, he, he talks about the whole process of why he decided to become a Ger and what led him to it. He was raised as a, as a Christian, a Baptist Christian. And he was told by his mother that they're actually descendants through generations back, even though they're not Jews, but they're descendants of Jews from way, way back. That was some, some, some sort of a heritage that they had in the family. And he says he wasn't, as growing up, he wasn't so interested in religion. But his childhood wasn't, uh, wasn't such an easy one. He describes that there was no father in the home, and his mother was in and out of jail and in and out of rehab. She had a very rough, uh, rough life, and, and, and it, um, it fed off on the whole atmosphere at home and on who he was. And he was always searching. He was searching for something to, get, to connect to. And at a certain point in his life, he started to explore Yiddishkeit. He tried Hindu, he tried a bunch of different ones. Yeah. And he liked it. And he, the way in the interview, he says like this. Uh. Becoming closer to Judaism did not come from a crisis. It came from a combination of moments of memory and enlightenment, in which I realized that in life there is much more in the world than just being rich, parties, and publicity. So he wanted more to his life than just, just partying and having a good time. And he found all that in Yiddishkeit. Today, he wears, of course, a yarmulke, he wears tzitzis, and he describes Shabbos as his favorite day, a beautiful and holy day. He enjoys going to shul, and he, hears, he enjoys hearing a Dvar And he says that, that gives a whole invigorating uh, shot and boost to the week. So here we have somebody who seemingly had it all. Wasn't lacking anything. But he realized that there's something that we have that he doesn't. And he wanted to explore it. And he went all the way in up until the point of joining Kalal Yisrael. There's another beautiful story that came out recently. Not as, not as famous, but some of you may have heard of it. There's a uh, well-known shul in uh, Woodmere called Eish Kodesh, the Rav there is a Moshe Weinberger. And a letter was sent out to the entire Kehila uh, over the summer, written by the custodian of the shul. And he writes like this, I'm going to read the letter. Dear Kehila, it is with a heavy heart that I inform the shul that my family and I have decided to move upstate, where I'm originally from. I want to thank you for always treating me as an equal and always showing me how good the Jewish people truly are. Your people are the most kind-hearted and devout people I have ever met. Before Ish Kodesh, I have never met anyone but pastors and priests that actually took religion seriously. Your faith in God has given me faith and has also brought me closer. When I first started at Ish, I didn't know what to expect. And all I heard from people around me were the false perceptions of the Jewish people. And he goes on, I was blown away on how well every, everyone treated me. I started during the high holidays. My first week at Eish was Simchas Torah. I can't believe the amount of candy and chips that were given out. I also saw how dedicated you all were to the religion, and I saw how close your families were, and I knew I wanted that. And he goes on, I married my wife, and I strived to have what I saw at Eish. And then I had my son, and I knew I wanted to be a great father, like I saw so many of you are. I will always keep that with me. And the key to all is Shalom Bayit, something I will God willing pass on to my son. 
concludes the letter. Thank you all for accepting me and treating me not just as a custodian for your shul, but as a family member. I love you all, and I hope we all stay in touch. I will miss you guys dearly. And he signs off Israel Hernandez. So here's a guy. Regular guy, a simple person, a custodian, who's in charge of cleaning and uh, maintaining the shul. And he, through his exposure to from el he gained an appreciation of what a person's supposed to be like, how a person's supposed to live his life. And he saw how Jews live their life, and that inspired him to be a good person in his own way. And this is something that we have to realize, that we have this gift of being close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu that nobody has, and that is something that we have to internalize and memorize, and with that, we can approach Slichas and Yom Nerem with a proper way. We mentioned... That this Matzah Shabbos will be starting Slichas. And one of the Sukkim that we're going to be saying is from Tehillim. Please, don't forsake us. And don't take away the Ruach HaKadosh, your connection to us. And if you look in the Psukim, the original Psukim, this is from Tehillim. So it says, Please, wipe out all my Averis, and then he continues, What is David Baruch He knows that he made mistakes, he knows that there's Averis. He doesn't say, Baruch don't punish me. That's not what he's concerned about. Baruch please, don't forsake me, don't leave me alone. Be there with me the whole time. And as far as point out, David HaMelech did not have an easy life. He had a very difficult life. Growing up, so his family, they had Shilas about his yichas, and as a result, so they kind of uh, banished him to be on his own, to be the shepherd, away from the whole family. And after he became the Melech, so he got into, uh, of, of course, a big fight with his father-in-law, Shaul HaMelech, who tried to kill him. And after that episode was done with, so his own son rebelled against him. He didn't have it easy. But what was bothering him the entire time, throughout these difficulties that he went through in life? One thing that he wanted the most is his connection to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. What's that? Exactly, exactly, that's right. And if David HaMelech feels that way, we can feel that way as well. Because Baruch Hu is there for us. And all we got to do is believe and then approach him and Davin, and he's definitely going to listen to us. And that's what we do by Slichas. Because Baruch Hu is a loving father. And we Davin to him. Don't forsake us. Help us feel the Kesher and the connection that you have to us. We know Akadish Baruch Hu is called Akel Mali Rachamim. Mali is full. The Bali Musar say it's a marshal. You have a glass that's filled to the top with water. And the water is staying there. But all you got to do is give it a little push. And the water starts overflowing. HaKadosh Baruch Hu also, he's malei rachem, he's full of rachmim. What do you got to do? Give it a little push. A little tefillah. A little tshuva, a little tzedakah, something. To show HaKadosh Baruch Hu that we want to come close. And then HaKadosh Baruch Hu's rachamim is going to overflow and shower us with bracha. And that 
is the lesson that we see here in the Parsha. And that is the lesson of these precious last days of the year, the days of Slichas and the days of coming close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And I just want to conclude with a beautiful story that I heard from Rabbi Azriel Tauber. Rabbi Tauber, for those who don't know, was a uh, very chosh of a yid, lived in Muncie. He was a Holocaust survivor. And throughout his life, he was a builder, a builder of institutions, a builder of uh, different innovative projects that helped Klai Yisrael in many different ways. Uh, one of the uh, organizations, uh, the Moistas that he founded, is called Machon Lahira, which is a, a koilel in Mansi, which trains Yengalai to become Dayanim and Rabbanim. Because he felt that there's a need for that, for people, uh, for, for, for Yengalai to become Dayanim and to become Rabbanim. He founded that organization. And along with the, uh, the Koilal, there's also a Beisdin on the premises. And Rabbi, Rabbi Tauber's son-in-law, he is one of the Dayanim on the Beisdin. So he's saying this story by Tauber, which he heard from his son-in-law who was there. Mishas Meisel witnessed it firsthand. They had gone to Brooklyn to complete a gayrus of a woman. So the Dayanim have to come. And there's the process. The lady has to do tefillah. Of course, uh, there, there's, uh, there's no men present. But the point is, after the tefillah and everything... They're able to sign off on the gayrus, and she's declared a yid. But before they, before that, so they met with her one last time, and the dayan says to her, "You know, are you sure you want to do this? You want to go through this conversion?" She says, "Yes, of course, I'm sure." Because you know, it's not so easy being a Jew. Besides the fact that we have this tariyag mitzvahs and all these surim derabanan and whatnot, you know, there's also a lot of. Uh, negativity involved, there's anti-Semitism and people might make fun of you for being religious it's not so much fun, it's not fun and games she says, I know, it's okay, I'm happy with that and they say to her and you realize that you know, you're already uh, a grown woman she was in her 20s you're going to join the Jewish community now it's not going to be easy for you, even as a Jew among Jews because you're always going to be an outsider she says, yeah, that's okay I understand that and they say to her, you realize that there's a good possibility that you're never going to get married because Who's going to want to marry you? Somebody who was a guy. And at this point, she burst into tears. Now the Dayanim, of course, they were doing what the halacha requires, is to discourage somebody before they become gayrim. But she burst into tears. And she says, you know, you're telling me that there's going to be anti-Semitism. You're telling me that people will make fun of me. You're telling me that I'm going to have difficulties. You're telling me that I won't get married. I don't care about any of this. I want to be a Kaddish Baruch Hu's daughter. That's all I care about and that's all I want. And it doesn't matter what the price is of personally. I want to become a Kaddish Baruch Hu's child. I want to become a Yid. Of course the Geirus goes through and she converts happily. But that's the lesson that we see here. That we have to realize and appreciate who we are and what we are and what the greatness of a Yid is and what the greatness of a Yid's connection to a Kaddish Baruch Hu is. And when we have that appreciation, we can surely... Go to Slichas with the right frame of mind. And we can dive into HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Mitzvah Shem, he surely, like a father to his son, will bench all of us with a good gezunt yar for us, from Mishpachas, for Gans Klal Yisrael.